Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Armchair Booking Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Stunning Steve Barber, and joining me as always is my absolutely fantastic, awesome co-host, the intellectual rock star himself, Delicious Joylan Davis. Hey, everybody. And normally we don't record on back-to-back days if it's not interviews, but with uh, a a very, very sad event that happened today Mm kind of necessitated that we do this today. And that's because the one of the the legends of professional wrestling, Terry Funk, unfortunately passed away earlier today. Um, Yep. And that word gets thrown around a lot in wrestling legend. But Terry Funk was a legitimate legend. He lived up to that label. And I'm sitting here looking at all the, (laughs) the titles he won, all the awards he won. And. Yeah, and we'll we'll discuss you know, quite a few of those. I mean, the man he had a very very long and distinguished career, and uh, a lot of people say he's and if he was an influence of Mick Foley, I mean, he was one of and he was oh, yeah. a, one of Mick Foley's best friends. Yep, Mick Foley posted on Facebook um, like a little paragraph on Terry's passing, and he said Terry Funk was one of has been one of his closest friends for a long long time. Yep. And it's it just it's just a sad day because um, I don't even remember what I was doing. All of a sudden, got a text message and it came in. It was our friend Kyle. Mm-hmm. He text text messaged me. He said, "Hey, Terry Funk just died." And I was like, "Do what?" You know. And of course, when you hear something like that, you I mean you, you always got to go uh, yeah. Google it because, unfortunately, the world we live in nowadays, there are people who will because they think it's funny. You know, they'll pass well, along yeah. information. You know, not that yep, Kyle yep. would do that. No, I know Kyle wouldn't do that. I'm just no, saying Kyle wouldn't do that, but sadly a lot you gotta confirm it because a lot of places mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, you'll read stuff about somebody passing and it ends up being a hoax and it's like that's I've never gotten the point of that. It's not that's not funny. No. And you know, but unfortunately, you know, as soon as I, I Googled the name Terry Funk, and there was about about five news stories that popped up first thing saying he had passed away. So it was like, okay, so it has been confirmed, and you know, and I don't think anybody was really surprised because he had been in ill health for a few years. Yeah, yeah, he had been in ill health for several years, so nobody was really. I don't think anybody was really surprised, but at the same time, it's like not Terry Funk. I mean, right. a lot of guys have come and gone in the wrestling business, and a lot of them have gone way too soon due to extracurricular activities, things of that nature. But Terry Funk was one of those that, in the back of our minds, at least for me, it's like, he'll never die. He's right. too tough to die. And... Even now, I'm trying to remember the first time I saw Terry Funk on TV. And I, I remember when I first saw Dory, you know, Dory Funk Jr. But mm-hmm. when I saw Dory, he was actually in Mid-Atlantic, but he was, it was during his time where he had a mask on, a half a mask. That's mm-hmm. another story, but he was calling himself the outlaw. And there was always a thing, oh, we know that's Dory Funk. But then I found out. Oh, he has a brother named Terry. Mm-hmm. 
and Terry's even meaner than Dory is. You know, and the masked outlaw, he was kind of kind of mean, but Dory himself was a little more subdued. I mean, he was able mm. to come down. Terry was not Terry Funk. When you saw him, he was not calm whatsoever. Oh yeah, and he'd come out with the branding iron and all that stuff. My first memory of Terry Funk, like when I think of Terry Funk, the first thing I think of is when he was commentating, when he was interviewing, and um, cause he had been off for a little while, you know, he was in roadhouse and he had been doing some, you know, different things in Hollywood. Well, he came back to the NWA and they had him doing like interviews and stuff. Well, Flair had just beat steamboat for the world title. Terry Funk's interviewing him telling Flair, he wants a shot at the title. Flair's like, you know, at that time they had the top 10 in the NWA and those were the top 10 contenders He's like, and you're not on that list because you've been doing things. You've been off in Hollywood, you know, doing different things and you haven't been wrestling. So you're not in the top 10. I'm contractually obligated to wrestle the people that's in the top 10. And so, you know, Terry took offense to that and then, you know, jumped Flair, beat him down. Powell drove him into the table and that started their feud, which was, an excellent feud, just fantastic. Um, the promos, the like the attacks, Flair would attack him. Uh, you know, Terry Funk would attack Flair at any given, you know, every chance he got. It was just an excellent feud. And that's that's still like my favorite memory of Terry Funk was that feud with Flair. And he was just like I said, he'd come out with a branding iron and he'd have the hat on and the branding iron. He was just like jabbing the branding iron at the camera. And just, <laughs> he was just a wild man. And it's like, you just knew when you saw Terry Funk, you knew there was violence coming. Mm-hmm. Like in, like in wired Earp when he told him to tell him that, that he's coming and hell's coming with him. That was Terry Funk. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, he might as well said, look, tell him I'm coming. Terry Funk's coming with me. Exactly. That actually because, probably would have made them think twice about what they were doing. <laughs> probably. But because it was just like, you knew. It's like, for me, Terry Funk was like, I mean, honestly, he was like the godfather of hardcore wrestling. A lot yeah. of the stuff that Terry Funk did initially, early in his career, even the table spot with Flair, nobody was doing I was going to say that, yeah. Because he did a, a the, pile driver on the table. On the table. Yeah. And that was... That wasn't a gimmick table. That was those thick tables that they used for commentary. That's why the table didn't break. Flair's, Flair just bounced off of it. But you hadn't seen that on television before. Somebody getting pile drove into a table. You know, now people going through tables is a regular occurrence. Every single episode of Raw and SmackDown, they're throwing somebody through the announcer's table. Yeah. It's but, back, but back then, it's like, oh, my God. I can't believe that just happened. And then, you know, Flair plays up, you know, the kayfabe neck injury and like hints that maybe he has to retire and all this stuff. And of course, while he's quote unquote out injured, Terry Funk is goading him to get back in the ring and defend the world title against him. And then they had that uh, Texas death match and which was just violent and amazing. And I've, it, 
Perry Funk, Ric Flair is, my opinion, still Ric Flair is the greatest professional wrestler that's ever lived because he had everything. He had the look, the in-ring skill, the freakish cardio that, you know, he had promo skills second to none. I mean, he carried himself like a world champion. He dressed the part. That's what I mean by the look. I mean, everything about him said, I'm the best that's doing this. And then he'd go in the ring and wrestle for 60 minutes and outpace guys that were 20 years younger than him. And Flair just had everything. The only thing that Flair never really showed was a was a true violent streak. Yes, him and the horsemen would hit people. You know, they they put hits on people and do different things. But Terry Funk, individually, Terry Funk made Flair step his game up on that part. Because with Terry Funk, you either step your game up in the violence department or Terry Funk's gonna run through you. And with that one also, I mean, uh I was gonna look into the Wikipedia article. It doesn't mention, you know, Terry Funk putting the plastic bag over Flair's head. Yes, yes. Which was, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. That was also something else you didn't see back then. You really yeah, don't you see, see it now either. No. But. I mean, Terry's, Terry Funk was, I mean, he was he was going to jail for a lot of the stuff he was <laughs> doing to Ric Flair. I mean, it was. Uh, I think the only what person Terry that Funk was. Would, the, Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say the only person who's gone beyond what Terry Funk was doing is probably New Jack, and New Jack actually did almost go to jail. Probably New Jack, or when the Horsemen like followed Dusty Rhodes and baseball batted his hand. Oh, that one! If the cops didn't know what was going on, yeah, but it showed up. Yeah, they could have gone to jail. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean New Jack actually stabbed a dude in the ring. Yeah. And so yeah, he actually I mean, did almost go to jail. Yeah. Plus, New Jack threw. Uh, Vic Grimes threw him off the scaffold with the intention of killing him. Yeah, with the intention because of killing him. Because when he, when he threw him, he was throwing him to, toward the ring post, not to the pile of tables that was set up for him to go through. And he has said on interviews, he's like, yeah, I, I had because I had no time at all for Vic Grimes. Yeah, no. he's like, and I wouldn't have gone that far if I was New Jack, but I kind of get why he didn't like Vic Grimes because Vic Grimes like, Cause permanent brain damage. Permanent brain damage yeah. damaged his eye and everything because you know he purposely missed missed the spot. Yeah, because he he's like, oh, I can't jump off, I can't jump off, and when he did, he hesitated, and it caused him to land mm-hmm. yep. on New Jack's head. Yeah, and you know, and so... New Jack was telling him which way to go, and he didn't go that way, and landed on New Jack's head. Of course, New Jack does what New Jack always did, and took it way too far. But a little bit, you know, a little bit. But, um, but and you know, New Jack. Um, you, you you hear New Jack and you automatically think ECW. Yes. Well, Terry Funk really helped put ECW on the map. He helped give them legitimacy. Yes. Uh, Paul Heyman <laughs> said. Paul Heyman has said multiple times in interviews that he is forever in debt to Terry Funk because without Terry Funk. ECW would not have grown into what it became because he's like, nobody was taking us seriously. We were just this little underground indie thing. And he's like the local fans 
loved us, but that's all it was, was the local Philly fans. Terry Funk came on board, and everybody's like, this is a former NWA World Heavyweight Champion. This is already, by the time he joined ECW, he was already a legend in the business. And he didn't have to do any of that. He did it because he wanted to help ECW grow, and he wanted to help the men and women that wrestled there get more exposure and, you know, get, you know, have good careers in pro wrestling. I mean, he was, you know, he won the ECW World Heavyweight Championship at uh, Barely Legal, ECW's first pay-per-view. And I know you've seen Beyond the Mat, which, Mm -hmm. by the way, Mm -hmm. I was going to try to look for that. Um, Like, I have the DVD. Actually, you know what? I don't have the DVD because I let my cousin in North Carolina borrow it, like, 13 years ago when I never got it back and never got it back, never got it back. Uh, but I mean, I can always find it again. I mean, it's not, not mm-hmm. a huge deal. Um, but they actually have footage of that goes beyond the mat. Of course. I mean, it, it's a, it's a actual documentary and it covers, uh, mainly three wrestlers, Mick Foley, mm-hmm. Jake, the snake and Terry Funk. Terry Funk. Yep. And Terry Funk, they, they, the guys filmed the documentary were actually back in the locker room during the ECW barely legal, that particular paper mm-hmm. we were talking about. And you see Paul Heyman though, he's given everybody a pep talk, which by the way, if you've never seen a Paul Heyman promo, he's another one that. Oh, if you've never is... seen a Paul Heyman promo. You're doing yourself a disservice. One of the yeah. absolute best talkers in the history of wrestling. And it was also very apparent watching this. And you I've seen Paul Heyman doing this for other things. Um, like the night Roman Reigns, announced that he had his leukemia had came back mm-hmm. of course paul Heyman. i mean they were not on the same team back then yeah but paul Heyman came out and gave a very very stirring speech talking about it yeah and but this one the part i remember is was him saying this is it this is the dance and he said and i want to thank terry funk for being unselfish during selfish times mm-hmm. yep. and pa- paul Heyman just i mean he just has a way with words that is, is yeah just you talk about Talk about talking people into the building. Yeah. And, you know, and he did that. And he was talking about Terry Funk because Terry Funk was, uh, by this point, he had to be in his 50s and he's doing moonsaults. Yeah, he, he's doing moonsaults. He is going through tables. He's taking chair shots. He is, oh, the match where he defended the ECW world title against Sabu in the, the barbed wire match. That I mean, that was just gory, extremely gory. I mean, 50 years old, Terry Funk had nothing left to prove by the time he got to ECW. But you couldn't tell them that he wrestled like a man that had something to prove. And he also wrestled like a man that was trying to help out the next generation. And that's one of the things about him also, because, you know, even though Flair really didn't need to be put over, he still pushed yeah. it up even more. Yeah, than, that's what I'm saying. Like as yeah. far as like when when Mick Foley, when he was Cactus Jack, it was in 2004 at Backlash. He def- he challenged Randy Orton for the Intercontinental Title. That made that that was like Randy Orton's arrival because. Until then, he had been, you know, he was a legend killer, but he had been the pretty boy who hadn't really been tested. He got tested by Mick Foley, 
and then people saw how he handled it and it's like oh this guy's a lot tougher than we think right Mick Foley also did that with Triple H at the street fight and and uh, at the Royal Rumble and at the Hell, the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, you know, at No Way Out in Hell in a Cell. You know, Triple H was a technical guy. He was, you know, he had the look and everything, but he hadn't been tested with that type of violence. And Mick the, Foley... The brawling style. Yeah, Mick Foley made Triple H, you know, brought that tough guy out, just like he did with Orton. And Terry Funk did that with Flair. He brought that tough guy out because, yeah, Flair would orchestrate stuff to the horseman that broke Dusty's leg and things like that. But it was always a calculated thing with the horseman. It was, I need to take this guy out. He's getting a little too hot. He's getting a little too close to the world title. So I need to get rid of him before I have to really deal with him. With Terry Funk, it was chaos. It was just, it was chaotic. That type of violence is different than the calculated violence of the horseman. Terry Funk brought that out of Ric Flair. And I think, you know, part of Terry Funk, I mean, I think, honestly, it's just kind of in his blood. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, Terry Funk, we haven't even mentioned, he's a second-generation wrestler. Yes. You know, his father, Dory Funk, Mm -hmm. um, had one of the most famous, you know, one of the first ever um, death matches. Yep, yep. And... Cyclone Negra was that who was against? I believe so. And I've seen the pictures of him. Of course, I mean that you don't they don't have video footage because they yeah. didn't. But I have seen the pictures. I mean, and Funk was just a bloody, a bloody mess. Yeah, yeah. I mean the Funks, the Funks and violence went hand in hand. I mean because they did not. They were some of the toughest wrestlers that you could ever see. You know. They didn't take an inch or give it. They were just, you know. No, they didn't. They were full steam ahead and dragged you along for the ride. And, you know, um, Dory Funk Jr., of course, I mean, he's still alive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he, um, three years older. That means Dory uh, Jr. is, he's 82 years old. Yep. And, you know, for Terry Funk, I mean, and you never hear about them two have an animosity towards each other at all. No. You mm-hmm. know, they, they were always yep. um working together. And you know, but their styles, of course, were different. Yeah. I mean, but their movesets are going to be similar up until, you know, Terry started doing the moonsaults. Because yeah. Dory Dory may look and goes, you know what, I have a school over here where I'm teaching uh people how to speak Japanese. I'm gonna stick uh-huh. with that. You know, yeah. which Dory did. I'm, I'm, I mean yeah. yeah. I mean his wife is Japanese and so he actually he was fluent in Japanese. And you know but with Terry Funk, if you look at his stuff from the seventies, he was wild back then. His mm-hmm. hair was wild. Dory always had a kind of a concerted. Yeah. You know, Terry's hair was wild. And Terry always had that light in his eyes. Like, yeah. Like he always had that fire. Like even, you know, really late in his career, he, he was like, he never lost that fire. Kept going, kept going, kept going. And when you look at all the, uh, all the the titles, and of course, I mean, we first thing we might as well just talk about the NWA World Heavyweight Championship mm-hmm. that he won. I believe it was from Jack Briscoe. Yes. Yep. And of course, 
when Terry finally lost it 14 months later, you know, this mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, even you know, nowadays. Well, of course, Roman, you know, we're talking about his historical reign because of how long it is. Yeah. Uh, Terry's reign at 14 months. That was common back then. Yeah. You had long yeah, you, reigns. You, yeah. You commonly had like a year plus reign back then, which made the title worth having. It's yes. like, it was something, you know, this guy, has gone through all these challengers and managed to hold on to this title. It's like, I want what he's got, you know, today it's getting better today, but like, especially like around attitude error that time, both WCW and WWE, they were hot shot in the world title so much. It just devalued the title. And yep. when Terry Funk had it, it was the prize to have in pro wrestling was the 10 pounds of gold. And that was the one he held. It was the one, mm-hmm. you know, sitting right there. And we were talking the other day about who walk and I get to sign it. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, the one, one of the greats literally passed on today. Yeah. And of course, the ironic thing was when he lost it to Harley race, Harley race, who won his first title from Dory jr. Yep. <coughs> and he, he beat Dory jr. With what is now just considered a, just garden variety move, uh, the mm-hmm. vertical suplex, which he called a giant suplex slam. Yeah. With Terry, I've actually seen the footage of this. There is, you can find the footage of him beating Terry. Mm-hmm. Uh, he beat him with an Indian death lock, you know, which yes. is like, and that's a move I'm like, man, I wish I could remember how that one works because it looks yeah. like you put that on somebody, they're not getting out of it. No. And Terry has beaten tons of people with the spinning toehold. Which is wild because yeah. you do that. You do that whole now, and I think Mick Foley actually said it in his in his book. He said like the Japanese audiences will still just go crazy for it. Yeah, said, but you do it anywhere else, and you're going to be finding yourself looking for a job because yeah, like, get out of here with that. Yeah, yeah, you know? it's like, come on. But I mean, he made it believable. He made it. Believable. He made it. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of like Japan, it's like I've seen. I have somewhere the match that he had with Foley, the uh, the death match that he had with Foley, uh, it was like the finals of the King of the Death Match tournament. All right. Yep. And I have I have that match somewhere. God, that was violent. That is, that is still one of the most <laughs> violent things I've ever seen. I mean, they're literally throwing each other on explosives in the corner. Oh, and that one. That yeah. one. Yeah. I mean, in the corners, they had like boards. The ring was wrapped in barbed wire and just, you know, they were using anything they could pick up. It was just violent. Foley ended up winning. Could barely give an interview because his face was literally covered with blood. And just, but that's one of those things, like I said, it's like Terry Funk is like the godfather of hardcore wrestling. I feel like without Terry Funk, we know without Terry Funk, there really wouldn't be an ECW not what it became. And then WWE and WCW copied that style. You know, GCW still uses that hardcore style in a lot of their matches. I think all of them need to pay homage to Terry Funk because, and and to an extent, Mick Foley. But with, you know, Terry Funk was doing it before to, before Mick Foley. I think everybody needs to pay respect to Terry Funk because if you like hardcore wrestling, 
he's the one that brought it to the forefront. He may not have been the, he may not have done it first, but he did it best. And, you know, I think the beyond the mat thing, I think what it also showed was the, the Terry Funk outside the ring, you know, the personal Mm -hmm. side of him. Yeah. You know, first when he's talking to his friend and I cannot remember the guy's name, but, um, Funk was going to be having a match for the, what at the time it was the WWF world title when Bret Hart was mm-hmm. the one who held it, which was rare for Vince to allow the world mm-hmm. champion to actually defend it outside. They never, and, and even probably now they, they still wouldn't do it now, but because it was supposed to be Terry Funk's retirement match, which by the way, I think he did actually, I think he holds the record for the most retirements. Um, oh yeah, he'd retire and <laughs> then come back and retire and come back. I mean, yeah. it's just it got to the point where it's just like, all right, how long is Terry going to stay retired this time? <laughs> yeah. Um, but he was talking to his friend, you know, who had not had a match in years, but he said he always kept himself in shape and he showed him jump on the trampoline, you know, with mm-hmm. the weights and trying to make sure he was still in ring shape. And Terry eventually, you know, was talking to the guy, well, why aren't you doing this? Because you never asked me what. And then he said, I want you to be the referee for this match and finally the mm-hmm. guys and, and I'll have to go back and look and I, I feel horrible that I can't remember his name uh, because he actually passed away a few years ago. Mm. Yep. And you know, but he, the guy, he was the ref at that match. But the other part was one of Terry's daughters was getting married mm-hmm. and you see Terry funk, the family man with his wife, yeah. his wife, she actually passed away four years ago, but, and he was very, very devoted to her, mm-hmm. you know, but he was, you know, his, one of his daughters was getting married and you see him there before the, uh, the ceremony at the church and, and he's praying for all of them and things like that. And it's like, that's the same Terry Funk that they also showed in a promo punching a horse in the face. Yeah. That's the same Terry Funk that brought a flaming branding iron to the ring was going to burn flare with it during their feud. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the same Terry Funk, like I said, doing the moonsaults and mm-hmm. uh, the same Terry Funk who the way Mick Foley put it, he said, I always heard, you know, what, what do you feel of Terry Funk? Yeah. His, the secret to his punches. And he said, the first match you're in, I was in, he, he turned around and he, here it comes, here it comes. And bam, he said, the secret to his punches was he just hit you as hard as he could. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. That's why they look so real because yeah, they were real. They were real. And, you know, but Terry Funk, I think is one of those that, you knew. The match is going to be crazy. And he was one, you know, we talk about the Undertaker reinventing himself all the time. Mm-hmm. Terry Funk is also mm-hmm. the one he constantly reinvented himself and, you know, adopting these new or adapting, not adopting, but adapting these new styles. All of a sudden the hardcore style, which we say, yeah, he adapted. He actually kind of started it, but then he mm-hmm. kind of where everybody kind of said, Oh, I like that. And they took it. So he actually, caught on to what they were doing and said, okay, let me show you how it's actually done. Let me show, yeah. Let me show you how it's done. Yeah. Yeah. And what's that a moonsault? Watch this. Now I'm not going to say his moonsaults are pretty because they weren't. No, they weren't pretty, but they were effective. They were very effective. I mean, it, it would look like if I took like a wrestling figure right now and just kind of tossed it in the air, you know, yeah. backwards, that's what his moonsaults look like, but they were very effective. Mm-hmm. And with the brain and iron, I mean, and his legitimate injuries because that beyond the mat, they showed him at the doctor's office and the doctor's telling him you need to, and that's why he was retiring. And that mm-hmm. match against Bret Hart the doctor said, you need to retire. He's like, 
well, how much longer before I can't walk? And the doctor said, you you shouldn't be walking now. <laughs> yeah. He said, you have zero cartilage in your knees. And eventually he actually did. I just read that on Wikipedia. He did finally have that surgery mm-hmm. like three or four years later. Yeah. You know, so it wasn't even right. I mean, it was, he still delayed it, but he, but he finally had it. But when another thing that I think about Terry Funk, when he came back to the WWE, um, it was still F at the time. Mm-hmm. And they, they put the pantyhose on his face and called him Chainsaw Charlie. Yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And he, but I mean, he had fun with it. I mean, I think that's what he it had was. fun with it. He still got a tag title out of it. So he did. It worked. Um, and when, of course, Mick Foley, you know, had the infamous Hell in a Cell match at King of the Ring mm-hmm. 98, when Mick was, you know, of course, the first time when he got thrown off the cell onto the table. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Terry Funk came down there, and they were like, well, is Terry Funk going to attack him? And then, you know, you realize that, no, Terry Funk's, even though they were enemies-ish, yeah, yeah. but they were, um, but he still was like, no, I'm going to check on him, make sure he's all right. And that actually became from the Terry Funk checking on Mick Foley, not, Cher- not Terry Funk checking on Mankind. Uh-huh. I mean, yep. he was actually making sure his friend was okay and got him down, and, of course, then... Foley, Mankind, Cactus Jack, Dude Love, um, Jack Foley. How many other names can he have? Um, yeah, you know he Cactus Jack Foley. Yeah, Cactus Jack Foley. Uh, he climbed Cactus Jack Manson. Mm-hmm. Um, he climbed up to the top of the Hell in Cell again, and then he went through it, which of course I mean, we know was not supposed to happen. No. And Terry Funk once again, he when that the they if you notice, watch that back. All of a sudden, that cage comes up quick because oh yeah, like, it went ooh. up real quick. I don't know how the Undertaker was standing up on it while it was going because he was still up top. Yeah, yeah, uh, but I'm pretty sure he was like, oh, but yeah. Then he jumps down. Terry Funk is buying Foley time. Took takes the choke slam. Gets choke, choke slammed out of his shoes. And he was in his fifties taking the choke yeah. slam mm-hmm. from the Undertaker. Yeah, and he did it to save, like you said, to, you know, have the time because if Mick Foley would have not come back from that because that was unplanned. Yeah, and you know, of course, you look. He's got a tooth in his nose. I mean, it's mm-hmm. you know, and it looked like he was, you know, one of the infamous shots is that it looks like he's smiling, and he said, "I wasn't smiling." He's like, "I was putting my tongue in the hole that was in my <laughs> mouth." He's like, "I was trying to see how deep the hole was that was in my lip," and but it looks like he was smiling. Looks like he was smiling, and with his beard, the way you had it, I mean, he looked like he was crazy anyway oh yeah he looked like a maniac yeah yeah I, I know we're talking about terry funk but i don't i still to this day have no idea how mick foley finished that match under his own power i mean i don't know how he kept going i mean he couldn't lift his arm right he said he said he was on autopilot because yeah, that, said, that's exactly what i was thinking he doesn't remember anything after yeah, he said he had to watch it he said. He said after going off the top of the cell, through the announced, barely through the announced table. Like he said, I don't remember anything else. He's like, I don't remember getting off the stretcher, going back up. He's like, I don't remember any of it. He said, all I know is I walked into TV the next day, and got an standing ovation from the locker room. <laughs> and he also <laughs> um, that night he actually asked the Undertaker, "Hey, did we do the thumbtacks?" 
And he said, Mick, yeah. look at your arm. And his yeah. arm was just covered in thumbtacks. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he couldn't remember anything, especially after that, after he got thrown through, through the top of the cell to the mat and the chair hit him in the face. And then, yep. And so, I mean, he was concussed like six times over. Oh yeah. But, but when they finally, the match is over, you know, and you almost want to say thankfully because, you know, great yeah. match because of what was going on. But at the same time, you're like, he can't take anymore. Just, you know, let's yeah, go ahead. Just, and, and even Taker's like, let's end us go home right now. Yeah, we've got to go home now. Let's go home now. Yeah. And when Mick Foley, he even said, um, and he, I guess somebody had to tell him that he said, have, an hour, have I already been on a stretcher? And he'd already been on a stretcher twice. Mm-hmm. And they said, yes. He said, I don't want to be on a stretcher again. Let me walk. But of course, Terry mm-hmm. Funk was yeah. helping him. Yep, Terry you know, Funk back. helped him to the back, yeah. And the crowd was chanting Foley, even though he was mm-hmm. going as um, Mankind, but it was Foley, yeah. Foley. And Terry Funk, he was pointing at him. He said, yep. He said, yep, yep. That's, that's him. I mean, yep. you know, you need to get this man the accolades because he, he just gave y'all something that you will never, ever see again. Yeah, and you and you haven't. You've never seen anything like that again because even Vince McMahon was like, never do that again. And... You know, I'm sitting here looking through, um, and right now, man, I can only go on the Wikipedia article, and and I will apologize to everybody. I mean, if it seems like we're not prepared, I mean, we weren't prepared to lose Terry Funk, so right. Um, but I mean, if you look at what, by the way, he was also in some very underrated movie. Should be listed on one of the greatest movies of all time, Roadhouse. That's all I'm gonna say. Okay, people may not agree with me, but Roadhouse. <laughs> Roadhouse. Roadhouse. <laughs> he played he played Morgan and wrote it. That was actually why I wanted to watch the movie for the mm. first time was because yeah. Terry Funk was in. And he had um one line in there when when Patrick Swayze, um Dalton, when he was you know, let he was firing some of the ones mm-hmm. that were there and he um he told him, Morgan, you're out of here. You don't have the right temperament for the trade. And so he Yeah. Terrifying grabs the trade. He said, You're a dead man. And that was that was you know, just the way he put it, I'm like, Well, I believe him. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um But if you look at the see championships and accomplishments, and it's like, wow. Um he was one of the few non Japanese wrestlers who were allowed to dress in the Japanese locker rooms. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, which um people say, so what? No, that's um the Japanese the way they do things, I mean, you have to earn your way, you have to earn yeah. their trust, their respect. Yep. And he was one of the few, along with like his brother, uh Stan Hansen, um Bruiser Brody, I imagine was Oh, I imagine, loud. yeah. I mean, but there weren't many. But of course he was in Florida. He won all sorts of Championship when when the Florida championship wrestling from Florida, the one that Dusty mm-hmm. Rhodes was a big yeah. part of. Um, Florida Heavyweight Championship, Tag Team Championships with his brother, Television Championship, um, North American Tag Team Championship with his brother, um, ECW World Champion, TV Champion. Uh, see, George, Georgia Championship Wrestling, another Tag Team Championship with his brother, mm-hmm. um, which tells you something. I mean, that's how close they were, yeah, and I mean, um, that that. That's they're the like rare, true brother tandems, you yes. know that have won titles together. You had the Funks, you had 
Jeremy Jack Briscoe. Yep. You had Jay and Mark Briscoe, the Hardys, the Bucks. I mean, that, that um, comes along. The Did the Youngbloods ever win? Because I cannot I'm, remember if the Youngbloods did or not. Because Jay did with Ricky Steamboat. Uh-huh. But, of course, yeah, and I think you already mentioned the Von Erichs. Uh, in the, yeah, I didn't, but yeah, the ah, Von Erichs. Okay. Yeah. Um, Cody and Dustin, did they hold WWE They did, tag- uh, yeah. WWE tag titles. Yeah, when they were, actually twice, when Cody was still Cody, and then when Cody was Stardust. And so, I mean, and right now we're actually really having to rack our brains trying to think of it anymore. Yeah. And, and it's I not mean, like there hasn't been, well, the Usos, but uh, yeah. it's not like there hasn't been, yeah. you know. Yeah. A, but legit brother tandems don't come along all that often. Right. The Steiners, that's I mean, another. Yeah, the Steiners. You get storyline brothers like Edge and Christian. And, I mean, they've been best friends since grade school. They're like they, might, they might as well be brothers. but Right. But, Yeah. Terry won like all of Terry's tag titles except for the one with with Foley. I think was with Dory. Yeah, that's what I'm going through right now, and and I'm not seeing any other tag team championships. There's there's even more listed, you know, with Dory. Um, he was also the Juggalo Championship Wrestling Heavyweight Champion. <laughs> that is not that that doesn't surprise me because that's just. <laughs> That's just Terry Funk. He's just um, trying to, at that point, he was just helping people out. Which, by the way, my son one day looked at me, hey, Dad, can I be a juggalo? I was like, no. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, you no. tell him I said absolutely not. <laughs> I, I, I would tell him. Um, <laughs> I'll say, Dwaylon says no. Yeah. You know, um, and let's see, PWI Awards, Feud of the Year in uh, against Flair, mm-hmm. um, Inspirational Wrestle of the Year in 1997. Wrestler of the Year in 1976. Um, on the PWI 500 in 1991, he was number 22. Um, number nine of the top 100 tag teams of the PWI years with his brother. Um, it, it's just it did. Um, I I don't have time to list all these. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, there he with Ricky Romero. He actually oh, won okay. tag team chips at Ricky Romero, who I do believe. Um, you know, I, I already mentioned, I believe it's his, his sons. Um, yep. The young bloods. Okay. That's why that's, that's kind of a, didn't mean for that to come full circle, but, <laughs> but it worked. Yeah, but it worked, you know, wrestling observer newsletter awards, which some people may look at those because they are done by uh, Meltzer and, and I'm guessing yeah. it's voted by other wrestlers. I'm not sure, but um, okay, all these came in 1989. Best brawler, best heel, best on interviews, hardest worker, a few of the year. Um, filmography, Paradise Alley, which is in 1978. Um, he was also a stunt coordinator on that. Over the Top, which by the, the somehow they made a movie about arm wrestling. Um, <laughs> you know, Time Stalkers, which I'd not heard of. Roadhouse. Um, oh, Friday Night Lights, he was uncredited as a fan. And The Ringer, he was uh, cranky. I've never seen The Ringer. I have no desire to see The Ringer. No, nah, um, me either. No. But, That's going to be a skip for me. Yep. And, hey, if you ever got a chance to see The Ringer, yeah, pass on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. It's like, no, uh, thank you. And yeah. No. Yep. Yeah. And not to mention, I mean, all sorts of Hall of Fames that he's been. So. 
you know, when people start listening, um, like when I was on, um, finisher wrestling the other night, you know, we're listening to Matt, listen, we were talking about the Mount Rushmore's. Yeah. And it's wild how a lot of people, I mean, Terry Funk actually gets skipped over a lot of times from Mount Rushmore's. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's kind of a shame. And it really, and I don't think, I don't think they mean to slight. I don't think anybody means to slight Terry Funk. Uh, because if you ask them about Terry Funk and they'll go, oh yeah, I'm like, Lord, he, you know, he's so influential and he's this and he's that. Mm -hmm. And so I think, I mean, maybe, you know, he should be just a little bit higher, but then again, who is he behind? You know? Yeah, but the thing with Terry Funk, though, I always felt like Terry Funk never wanted to be a star. He wanted to be a wrestler. Boom. There you go. Um, and, and, like, and that was the difference. Like, guys like Hogan wanted to be a star. Terry Funk wanted to be a wrestler, and he wanted to help other wrestlers. Exactly. And you know, and I'm actually, you know, I know we're, we're actually kind of running short on time because um, this is actually not the first podcast we've recorded today. Yep, that's true. <laughs> Which is pretty wild, but I'll just have to leave it with this, you know, and I'm going to quote Paul Heyman, Terry Funk, God bless you. Thank you for being unselfish during selfish times. Absolutely. Absolutely. Rest in peace. And just going to say goodbye and God bless. God bless.